You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So this fundamentals of Talmud. It's good to see everyone. I hope that we're soldiering through what the days are throwing us. Obviously, it's something new. Uh, yesterday, we had a, um, I thought, a very nice discussion about the Rishonim and the way they were picking apart statements of the Talmud, particularly Rashi and Rashbam on one side and, and whoever the author of the Tosos was in this case. Um, we could probably narrow it down who it is. I think you know that'll be another discussion, who's who. Um, sometimes the Tosos that you can see here on, on the screen on the right, they, they sometimes are anonymous. But of course, they were all authored by you know, probably uh, in different folios, different, I'm sorry, different mesechtos, uh, the authors were, were, were a different group. You know, it's, it isn't monolithic. Um, as opposed to Rashi, uh, where you'll say, oh, Rashi contradicts himself. Uh, Tosfos, we really don't really deal with contradictions from one uh, mesechta to the other because there were different uh, authors of, of stemming sometimes from somewhat different schools and it was just the luck of the draw who the printer put on the side to be the Tosfos. They're all interconnected in some way. You could probably find, uh, you know, family and, and, and student to teacher connection. But so when we say Tosfos, we sort of look at it in a monolithic way, but there are, it is a personality and a person involved. So I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. You know, there are books about that, about who wrote what. So that's in terms of, uh, what Tosfos means. Okay, but today let's get back to uh, pure Talmud phraseology. Uh, it's a little tricky piece. Uh, it isn't as straightforward as what we've been studying. But I, I think you know we, you got to meet every challenge, and uh, every 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 challenge that you meet uh, makes you stronger for the next one. And here's the challenge for today. So let's take a look here. You can see the Talmud page in front of you. Um, it starts with the top line of the page. Amar Rav Yehuda, that's Aleph Resh, as you can see, that's always shorthand. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Uh, if you did a search on the Talmud about how many times that those two go come together, I would say probably, you know, probably 500, maybe 800 times, maybe more. Um, that's just a conservative estimate. Yehuda and Shmuel. Shmuel was Yehuda's teacher. Um, this is Yehuda ben Yechesko, who was one of the great Babylonian teachers. He he quotes his teacher Shmuel very often. Uh, it's interesting. Again, uh, I'm sort of going off on a tangent here, but I think it's important. It's interesting that Yehuda gets a little Reish in front of his name, as you can see. Aleph Reish means Omar Rav. And here you have Yehuda without that Reish, with that Reish, he's a rabbi. And the name of Shmuel. Now, of course, that's not Shmuel Anavi, but it might, but why doesn't it say Omar Rav Yehuda, Omar Rav Shmuel? Um, here we have one of the great uh, rabbis of the first generation, Amarayim, Shmuel. And yet he doesn't have the appellate rabbi in front of his name. Well, neither did Hillel, of course. But I guess Hillel didn't need to, and neither did Shammai. 
it was obvious that they were rabbis, rabbanim, but there was no per- reason to actually put that appellation in front of them in those days. Um, neither did uh, Hillel's teachers, Shmaya and Avtalion. They also are not called Rab, Shmaya, and Rab Avtalion. Um, it was implied, of course, that they had smicha, um, and they were definitely functioning. What's interesting is, is that smicha, uh, although we find it with Moshe and Yehoshua in the Bible and the Torah, um, also extended, uh, and extended, uh, this is our tradition, that extended as long as the Jews had a, a vibrant life in Eretz Yisrael. And the same, when you would get smicha, you would be like Yehoshua, like Joshua, Yehoshua coming to Moshe Rabbeinu. You'd be getting your smicha. You'd be getting your right to practice, your right to continue the tradition and to be a teacher. And that was something that was reserved for either in Israel or someone who was empowered in Israel to do that. That was the, uh, that was important to stay in Israel and to stay in Israel is sort of like you're continuing the unbroken link to Moses, to Moshe Rabbeinu. People in Bavel, although it was a very vibrant um, area, uh, weren't able to necessarily get the original smicha. Uh, and therefore, uh, we find, and this is important to know, that the rabbis in Bavel were known as Rav and not Rabbi. Now that's <laughs> that's not always a 100% clear cut, but that's generally correct. So there are great rabbis in Bovel, like Rav Nachman, who is a student of a student of Shmuel. There is, um, you know, uh, uh, Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman Bar Yaakov, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchok, but Reish Beis, without that Yud. That means you're a pretty good rabbi, but you're not a rabbi. Uh, you don't get, you, you didn't get smicha because you weren't, you didn't make it in Eretz Yisrael. The rabbis in Eretz Yisrael, who actually were living in the same time, uh, like Rabbi Yitzchok, uh, Rabbi Shua ben Hanania, uh, they get, they, they lived at the same time that the Babylonian rabbis were living, but they got a yud at the end of their name because they were able to get smicha. Shmuel, um, the fact that we're calling him Shmuel was sort of like that he didn't get his smicha. He was actually in Israel, um, he didn't live there, but he was called to Israel a number of times. And the reason he was called to Israel was because uh, he, because of his uh, proficiency as a doctor. Uh, Shmuel was such an incredible personality. Um, uh, I, I say personality, and that's probably the wrong term. Uh, such an incredible wide, uh, wide amount of knowledge that he had. Uh, he was an, he knew he was, I guess, you know, astronomer and slash, you know, he was, uh, he knew exactly what was going on as we, we've been studying about in other places. Uh, he also was an expert judge. Uh, his, uh, his rulings are considered, uh, definitive when it comes to legal matters. Um, and he also was very well versed in medicine. And when Yehuda Hanasi, the, 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 author of the Mishnah was basically dying uh, from gastro issues, gastronomical issues that, that were affecting him. Um, 
they didn't know he was dying, but it, that's what it turned out was uh, the, his te- the, the doctor they called for was Shmuel, who came from Bovell to treat him. And he was so involved in trying to save his patient and help his patient that he wasn't able to get what he also wanted, he hoped, was a test. And if he would have been tested by Yehuda Hanasi, Shmuel would have gotten the title Rebbe, but it never happened. So because of that, uh, Shmuel, I guess, wanted to be known as Shmuel, and we call him that. He's the, he's the person who didn't get the smicha that he probably should have gotten. So that's why he's called Shmuel. It's interesting. <laughs> now, his student, Yehuda, was Rav Yehuda. Shmuel could have been Rav Shmuel had he wanted to, but he refused to be referred to in that way. And that was because Shmuel should have gotten the smicha. He should have been sort of like a Shammai and Hillel figure. He should have gotten his smicha, but he, it was just an accident that he didn't. So that's why they referred to him as Shmuel. All right, just something interesting that you might find. Uh, uh, something. I don't think it's a waste of time. I think it's important to know why we call people who, uh, the, the names that they have. Um, and that's true here. So Amr of Yehuda, Amr Shmuel. Arba Kosos Halolu. These four cups that we've been talking about, our book, also we've been talking about the four cups for a number of days here in our class and since the page before. Tzorich, they need, bahen. there needs to be in those cups. Now here comes a little bit of, uh, uh, we need a little bit of knowledge of the past. Kedei mizigas kos yofe. That's the first statement that Shmuel made. He's going to say a number of things about the four cups. Here's one of them. There needs to be in the cups, and it seems like in each one, today, to be able to, mizigas kosyofa. Miziga is a synthesis or a mix, right? In, in modern uh, Hebrew, an air conditioner is called a mazgan. <laughs> a, a mazgan is something that um, uh, it's a mix. Mosaic is uh, is to mix things, to mix two things together, and to create something, a synthesis. So today there needs to be in the wine material enough to be mosaic, to synthesize it, and to get at the end a kos yafe. We'll talk about what that means. A beautiful cup. A right, uh, a good cup. Now, in order to explain this, you know, I know Avrami's here, and he he's been wow. studying with me in other times, and he knows from his own yeshiva background. Wine in those days was not the way wine was today. Today, you go to the uh, Bayway. I don't know if it's open, but wherever you'd go to get your your wine and order it online, wherever it is, you don't have to do anything. All you need to find is a um, is a. a, a what is it called again? <laughs> Not the bottle opener. The uh, you know a good wine. Well, you need a corkscrew to get the wine open, and you've got your wine. That's not the way it was in the time of Chazal. In the time of Chazal, wine by definition was concentrate. It was concentrated. It was really powerful stuff. I don't know why they didn't cut it with water beforehand, <clears throat> but that wasn't the standard practice. When a person bought barrels of wine. <laughs> it was expected he was going to have water that he would mix it with. It's like in the old days, Henoch, you, you remember, of course, 
everybody drank orange juice from concentrate. <clears throat> it was standard, right? Even Anita Bryant was the uh, was the spokeswoman, right, for the Florida concentrate. It was all concentrate. You took the stuff out of the freezer. It was like this big galump, <laughs> and then you put it into the pitcher, right? Today, nobody would – you don't see anybody doing that. By the way, Rav Heinemann um, – I don't know if it's still true. I don't even know if you can get concentrate anymore. But Rav Heinemann uh, Paskin years ago that that doesn't need a hashkocha. If you get uh, 100% orange juice uh, uh, concentrate, I'm not sure where he, I'm not sure if he would still say this, but I heard him say it. You do not need a hashkocha and it's kosher with Pesach. 100% concentrate orange juice, meaning not the stuff in the bottle that's concentrate, not the stuff that says from concentrate. But if you actually get the concentrated material, there's nothing it, – that, that can't be an issue. This is what Rav Heinemann said. I, I, I'm not sure if that's still true today. You need to check that out. But that's the way me, orange juice was primarily uh, absorbed. You know, Tropicana came up with – you know, and now that became the standard. That it's not that way. But that's the way people imbibed wine. People imbibed wine. Well, they didn't imbibe it that way. They actually waited till they watered it. And that's called the Mezigo. So everybody's wine was very thick. So the point is, is that it's going to be less. So you need to make sure <clears throat> that when you do your Mezigo, you're going to get the proper cup. Meaning if you, if, if the amount of concentrate you have is not going to yield the proper amount of, li- of, of, of total volume of liquid when you put the water in, then that's not a proper cup of wine for the doll for the four cups. Let's read the words again inside. <laughs> um, there needs to be the amount of concentrate in that. Now that means today enough that when you do mizigos, when you do the, when you actually put the liquid in, when you put the water in, it's going to be turn a kos yafe. Okay. Now, um, how you sp- <laughs> so again? How do you cut the wine? How do you, how much do you put in? So Rashi and the Rashbam both say, and we're not going to do it inside today, but they both say that everybody knows how you're supposed to, uh, what the standard ratio is. It's one to three, meaning for every part of wine, there's three parts water. So you need to make sure that you have enough concentrate that when you add three times that amount of water, what you're going to get is the shear that we call a revius of wine. So clearly the concentrate that you're going to start out with is quite small. When you're going to put three times that amount of water, then you're going to get the mizigas kosiofen. Okay. Then you're going to get, now what does kosiofen mean? What does it mean? A beautiful cup? So the um, uh, a beautiful cup would be the cup that it's always used for for bench for as we say people would use the cup for kiddush and 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 birchat throughout the year. There's two extra cups on the seder night, but every you have to make sure that each of the four cups ends up looking like a good normal cup of wine in terms of the ratio of concentrate to water. That's okay. That's basically what that statement means. Let's read it again inside. Okay. 
now that we've talked about the amount, how about the way? <coughs> what about uh, the way you're drinking it? <coughs> okay. What about shatan chai? Chai, of course, means it's alive. But here it doesn't mean alive. It means if you don't put the water in. Let's say you drink it concentrated. Now, um, let's say you drink it concentrated. Uh, have you fulfilled the mitzvah? Now, I would read this without commentary to mean you took that little concentrate. You say, I don't need the water. I'm just drinking it straight with the wine. I'm just going to get the concentrated wine without the water. So according to what Shmuel, the tradition of Shmuel, Yotza, you fulfilled your obligation. Okay. Um, now, the Rashbam has a comment here. He says, that can't mean that you just put that chunk of concentrate and you sort of like squish it around and, and drink it. <laughs> that can't be what it means. Because he says, it, we know every cup halakhically needs to be what we call a revius, which is a quarter of a lug. A lug is a measurement in the time of the of Chazal. <clears throat> Rav Moshe Feinstein says that a revius is about 2.2 ounces. So uh, uh, the Rash, uh, I'll show you the Rashbam just to, because I think it's an important comment. So again, we're on the word Shosan Chai. Let's find here in the Rashbam as we go down. And you can see the Rashbam. You see that Shosan Chai? You can see it's bolded here in this text. Easy to find. Shosan Chai. Shelo Mazgan Bamayim. That you did not put the water in. You didn't put the water in. Yotza. It's not the best, but you fulfilled your mitzvah. But look what the Rashbam says. Rashbam says, do not learn this the way Kivalevish just uh, uh, proposed, which was it was this chunk that had you put water in it, you would get 2.2 ounces. So use your math a little bit. If it's 2.2 ounces total, then it's 0.8, right? I think. Or 0.6. 0.6 ounces, right? Because 0.6 ounces plus uh, <laughs> 1.8 water will equal 2.2 or 2.4. So uh, I'm fudging on the numbers here, but let's say it's 2.4. It's actually 2.2, or Moshe says. But let's say it's 2.4. <clears throat> so you have uh, 0.6 of of 0.6 ounces of concentrate, and then you have uh, 1.8 uh, ounces of water. 1.8 and 0.6 gets 2.4. Now you have your revius. So what does it mean if you drink it raw? You drink it without. So I would have said, and the way I taught it a couple of minutes ago to you was, I think the words mean you take um, uh, 0.6 ounces of, con- uncon- of pure concentrated wine and you squish it and you drink it. The Rashbam says that's not what it means. Let's see the Rashbam again inside. Shalomoz gun bamayim. He didn't put the water in. Yotza, but kagon. Kagon is a key Gemara word, if you want to underline it. Kigon. Kigon is like, for example, actually comes from um, the Aramaic. It's, it's actually means gavan. 
Again, we always say kagon, but actually it comes from the word gavan, which is a, a certain, like a gavan is sort of a, you can tell Rami what it means better. A gavan is sort of like a color or a aspect. Gavan. Kigon, it's an aspect. It's kigon, like it's kigavan. Kigon, sheyeshpo revealed lug. Okay. It has to be totally 2.4. It's got to be that the concentrate is 2.4. Why? Here comes another sort of a difficult word. Uh, and you can see it here. It says I'm, It says we might be experiencing degraded audio. Um, can everybody hear me okay? I can hear you. Okay, good. All right, so. Yes, yeah, so far so good. Okay. I can hear you, Rabbi. Okay, good. So let's read it. Dibibotzer mirivit lav kulumhu. Butzir is Aramaic for less. Less than a reviat, the Rashbam is saying, no, no, no. There's no way Shmuel could ever have said that 0.6 ounces, even if it's concentrated wine, can mean anything. Less than 2.4, lav klumhu. Lav klum means it's not nothing. <laughs> lav means it's not. Klum means anything. It's not anything. Klum is like the smallest. It's not a something. <clears throat> In order to be considered any sort of cup, whether it's for kiddish or benching, it's got to have 2.4 ounces. Anything less than that. I don't care if it's concentrate. No way Shmuel could say that if you drink the concentrate, it's like we are going to imagine it's got the water in it. Because he says, the same way, the same way, Demozug being in Revius, the same way when you do concentrate, you got to end up with 2.4. The same way when you synthesize the water, ba'inon, you need. Ba'inon is, is another Kigamar word. Comes to the word ba'i, the two first letters here, which means I want, I need. Nun nun means us. Nun nun is the us word. Like if it says mas nisan is our Mishnah. Nun nun at the end of an Aramaic phrase means for us. <clears throat> so ba'inon, we need, we all need, reviat 2.4. Bain hako. It's got to be 2.4 at the end. So therefore, Rashbam says, and here we have another uh, Rashi Tevos. You can see it's the uh, it's the letter hey and the letter nun. And in the middle, of course, you have here these two, which, remember the Yiddish term for this, if we do this long enough, you're going to be knowing this in your sleep. What is the two, the streichel? The streichel is, hey nun, hochinami. Here also, even in concentrate, hochinami, chai, if it's, if it's raw concentrate, ba'inon, we need, ba'inon, we need. Revius, 2.4. <clears throat> so I'll, this just shows you that Rashbam is very firm on this. Okay. The words don't seem to suggest it, but Rashbam is saying, hey, it, it was definitely 2.4 ounces. No way Shmuel would allow you to just drink the concentrate, and it doesn't have the proper uh, amount. Well, okay. So let's go back now to the uh, Talmud page, the te- actual text and not the commentary. So once again, we have Shmuel's statement, 
there's got to be enough in the concentrate that when you put the water in, you get 2.4. If you're drinking, I'll explain according to the Rosh Bam now. If you're going to drink concentrate, even though it's unusual, but at least you had the 2.4 ounces of it, Yotza. Shosan Chai, Yotza. You fulfilled it. I, now, I, I already talked, I mentioned last week already why we use the word Yotza. The word Yotza means to go out. But we say, Yotza. Yotza the mitzvah. If it's a Yotza, it was Yotza the mitzvah. What does that mean, Yotza? It means you have, you have, you have, just like Yitziat Mitzrayim is leaving Egypt. Yotza means I have left my, I have left the bounds of my responsibility. I did it. I'm out of the responsibility. I fulfilled it. Yay. I won. I, I, I got out of it. Yotza. You got out of your responsibility. You did it. We're not happy with you. You could have done it better. You could have done, you didn't have to drink the concentrate. You could have put it with the water and it would have been normal drinking. But okay, yotza. So that's what we're saying. And, and therefore, another term, although it's not mentioned on, on the page, is this would be called, and Henech and Avrami know this, and this is bidievid, yotza, bidievid. You, you fulfilled it, okay? You don't have to go back and drink the wine anymore. You were yotza. That's what we say. You're yotza the mitzvah. Yotza. Shosan bivat achas, yotza. Okay, you drank them, batachat, means in one swoop. Okay, so here, what this would mean, and again, um, the, it literally means in one time. But I guess the best way to explain this is, and again, here the Rashbam and his grandfather have a, a, a disagreement. Kovat Rashi, I need to explain, how did Rashi say, what does this mean all in one time? So Rashi says, Batachat, if you take a look at the Rashi here and the cursor, Ira, Ira means pouring. Arbatan, Kos Echad. You had four cups, and then you poured them into one giant cup. That's what Rashi says. Ira, you had four, but you decided to pour them into one big one. Maybe because other people needed cups and you had a big giant one. That's the way Rashi learns uh, what it means. Shotan bevatachat. Um, and of course, but did he drink four cups? He just now made one big cup. So um, that's a little bit strange. Why you'd be yotze? Because it says shotan bevatachat yotze. How how could you be yotze four cups? If uh, 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 this is the difficulty Rashbam has with his grandfather, how can you be Yotze four cups when you took, you had four, you poured four cups, each one, let's say, had 2.4 ounces, and now you put it into a giant cup of, right, 9.6 ounces. And then, then what, so you could say you, you take 2.4, yeah, and instead of having four cups, I got one big giant cup. And it, and I keep on drinking 2.4 ounces from it at every station of the Seder that I'm supposed to drink. That could be what, what, what Shmuel means. You should really have four, in, you should really have drink, uh, instead of using the same cup, which had a lot in it, that, that could be the way, uh, that could be what Rashi means.
And I've seen a lot of people actually at the Seder drink that way. There's a lot of people, one of the problems, and again, this is a little bit of an off the topic, but uh, one of the problems that people have with drinking the four cups of wine, uh, forget about the people that have the halachic right to use grape juice. But if you don't, if you're not suffering from drinking wine, you should have wine and not grape juice, and we'll see why in a minute. But one of the problems people have in, in drinking, you know, is that, hey, I, I can't drink that much. Uh, I can drink wine. The problem is, of course, is that people um, don't have small cups. Most of the things you get in Target or wherever you're going to buy your, your glassware, you can't find glasses that are 2.4 ounces or 2.2, 2.4 ounces. You can find little shot glasses, which maybe are, you know, I don't know how much, maybe uh, 0.5 ounces. And then you have four ounces. That's like the smallest uh, tumbler you can find is a four ounce tumbler. That's already almost double the amount you need. That's the problem. So a lot of times you go to the store and you have nice tumblers and the tumblers are eight ounces or nine ounces. Well, 9.6 is already four times the amount you need. So that could be what's going on according to the way Rashi is, is explaining this, 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 this phrase. The man took, he says, look, I'm just going to put these four little cups. I'm going to put them in, uh, I'm going to put them in this big, uh, 9.6 tumbler. And then I'm going to sip from it throughout the Seder. So on that, Shmuel would be saying, but the words really don't sound like that <laughs> because the words sound like it's all in one time. It's all like one, one, one swoop. The word bat, of course, is Hebrew means daughter, but I think here what it means bat is, 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 is short for the word be'et. Be'et, there's an ayin missing. Bat means be'et, batachat. Like, it's almost like the word shalashidis. <laughs> like, are you going to shalashidis? What does shalashidis mean, right? Shalashidis is, 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 is short for shalosh su'udot. But, but, but European Jews sort of like put the words together and it became shalashidis, right? So in the same way, bat is another way of saying be'et. Be'et achat, if you were speaking slow Hebrew, in one time, be'et. But the ayin dropped and it became batachat, batachat at one time. So Rashbam actually, uh, you know, criticizes his grandfather, and he says, he says, "Ira arbatan betoch kos achad." This is Rashbam quoting his grandfather. Kach pirish rabenu shlomo. That's how art art. Our rabbi, our great teacher, our rabbi Shlomo, that's his grandfather, Rashi. He says, and you can see here with the cursor, Lo Nihira. That's Aramaic for it's not clear. Nihira is light or clarity. Lo means, of course, it's not. It's not clear. And here, of course, is short is a, uh, in the Gemara text here, the way it's printed, they're trying to save letters. So there's a little semi-streichel over here, an apostrophe. The word is a short word. It, it, in other words, the complete word is not written. So here, it, it's, it's de-afilu. 
the Lam and Vav were dropped. The assumption is that sometimes when you see the beginning of the word, you already know what the end of the word is. And that's why the printer felt he didn't have to write the complete word out. But in other versions, probably in the Steinsaltz and other types of text, the whole word would have been written out. And again, I, I apologize for the shortcuts that printers throughout the years have been taking. And because of that, the Talmud sometimes is a difficult book to read. But you get used to it eventually. So, De'afilu, Rashbam says, I don't, it's not clear. De'afilu shotach harbe, even if you, you put a whole bunch of wine, bikliachad, in one giant cup, if you're going to put a bunch of wine in one giant cup, lo choshiv, it's only considered ela kot echad. <laughs> That's still just one cup. So therefore, I don't understand what my grandfather meant when he said you put them all in one cup. You put them all in one cup, you haven't fulfilled all four cups. That's just one cup. Even if you put more wine than you needed in the cup. Um, so therefore, the the Rashbam suggests instead. Um, okay, I'm going to just. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to overcomplicate things, but I'll read the next line of the Rashbam with you. He says, "The high to this that you need 2.2 ounces, or we said 2.4 ounces. Eno ella, that's a double negative. It's only for the reason." Don't ever have more less than 2.4. Aval tfei may reviet. The word tfei is a key word. Comes up a lot in Talmud. Tfei tet pe yud. Tfei, just like it sounds. Tet pe yud. Tfei, of course, means more in Aramaic. You put the word more here. Tfei, more, may reviet, more than a reviet bikot echad in a one cup chashuv chashuv is to consider from the word machshava chashuv means to consider is considered is important chashuv like we saw isha chashuva chashuv is considered lost my place for a second um, chashuv is considered kos echad, one cup. So I don't know what my grandfather meant, really, when he said you put them all in one big cup. Even though they were originally in four cups, but you've got in front of you one cup, that's one cup. How can that ever be four cups? So Kivalevich wants to answer Rashi <laughs> and say what Rashi meant was that you drank 2.4 ounces from each cup. For each time, you used one cup, you filled in the maximum amount. In other words, you filled it up to the top with 9.6 ounces. And then at every station of the Seder, you drank 2.4 ounces. That's what I think Rashi means. His grandson is, is as smart as me. Believe me, the Rashbam is much smarter than me and I knew his grandfather. The Rashbam says, still, I don't think that should count. Because it, it's your fault that you bought this giant cup. But once you have a giant cup, you have to drink four cups. And four cups would mean most of the cup. 
You didn't drink four cups. You, 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 it, it, it's your fault that you had such a big cup. And if you choose a big cup, that's the first cup. Rashi would disagree with his grandson and say, grandson, uh, no, a Raviyat is 2.4 ounces. If you're lucky, you can find a cup at Target that's only 2.4 ounces, and that'll be your first cup. But if you can't find that, what you can do is you can put it all in one giant tumbler that's 9.6 ounces, and then at Kiddush, drink 2.4 ounces. When it comes to right before, uh, at the end of the Magid, drink another 2.4 ounces. When it comes to... um, Benching, drink another 2.4, and at the end of the Seder, drink the last. The grandson, Rashbam, said, you know, I love my grandfather, but that, I think, should only be one cup. That shouldn't be four cups. So what did it mean then when Shmuel said, you did it bevat achat, eh, you were Yotzeg. What does it mean? So the Rashbam says, what does it mean? So here we see the Rashbam is going to explain what he thinks it means. And he starts in a modest way. He starts with, the, again, with the Rosh Tevis. It's three letters. Vav, Nun, Shrecholamid. And again, you guys know what this means. Henoch uh, and Henoch and Avrami know what it means. And again, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, Josh, I'm not trying to single you out, but I, I want you to see that this is something you need to zero in on. Vinal means vi and nun lamid nearly. It appears to me, and that's that. That is nira means it appears, li to me, and that's a modest way for rabbis to write. Nearly, it appears to me. It appears right. They might have really meant it. This is definitely what it means, but there's a modest way to write. Uh, the Rishonim teach us modesty in the way they write. Sometimes uh, another way that they might say is yesh lomar. It is possible to say. Part of that is about being modest in what you're suggesting. Especially when you just argued with your grandfather, who is arguably the greatest uh, medieval rabbi who ever lived. Rashi. But Rashbam, part of being a student is arguing. So, Okay, we'll get to Hanuk's uh, point in a minute. Um, so nearly, it appears is that your quote or someone else's quote. Part of it is arguing. Um, uh, Josh, do you want to repeat what you said? Yeah, is that your quote or someone else's quote that part of being a student is arguing? That's that's Kivalevich, <laughs> but it but it, it's my quote, but it's true. <laughs> hey. But but I don't need you know what it's it's, it's not a I agree yeah so right so part of being so again it's not about lockstep being a parrot but you know how you're supposed to argue you argue with great respect and that's what he says nearly it appears to me I might be wrong but it appears to me the perusho that this is what it means hachi this. Perusho is the explanation. Perusho means an explanation. I don't want to get into why the word perish means an explanation. I'll explain that a little bit later. Batachat, in one shot, in one time. What does it mean you drink everything in one time? It means shelo al seder mishnotenu. 
not like the order that's in our Mishnah, which is the first cup at Kiddush, the second cup uh, before, uh, right after the first part of Hallel, the third cup there. If you follow our Mishnah, you're going to drink the cup at certain stations. Here, the point is, Shatan Ritzufin. You drink them, Ritzufin, one after the other. So, according to uh, Rashbam, what Shmuel meant, let's go back to Shmuel now. What did Shmuel mean when he said, you drink them bevatachat? Bevatachat means instead of waiting, you say, okay, cup one, okay, cup two, cup three, cup four. All right. You didn't do any of the stuff in the middle. <laughs> Maybe you made Kiddush and then you'd said, okay, look, we don't have time. Uh, it's getting late. I, I got to drink four cups. I don't know if I can, I'm going to drink four cups. One, two, three, four. Yotza. <laughs> you don't have to re-drink the cups. Even though the cups aren't in the right spot where they should be, four cups, Yotza. That's the way Rashbam reads Shmuel. Shotan bevatachat, Yotza. Okay. All right. Uh, I, you know, part of the reason you come to learn is because you're going to find out new things. Nobody does it this way, but technically you are Yoitza, as we said. You're Yoitza the Mitzvah. Um, let's do one last. What if you just drink more wine? What if you just want to drink more wine okay. in between cups? That's a good question, Dustin. So the, the Talmud actually discusses that about drinking. For example, the Talmud does say, we, we, we didn't study it inside, but the Talmud does say on the page before, that in between cup one and cup two, let's say during the Seder, you do have the right to drink wine. People are sitting at the Seder, and, you know, we talked about whether you should be in a state of Haseba or not, whether you should be languorously lying down, but it is a festive uh, 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 area. Can I have a cup of wine in the middle while everybody's talking or saying their Dvar Torah or whatever? So the, the, Gemara, the, the, the Talmud says, that you are able to drink between, uh, you are able to uh, drink cups of wine, even in the middle of Magid, between cup one and cup two. Obviously, people drank cups during Shulchan Orech. <laughs> people definitely drank cups uh, in the middle of uh, of the of the meal. They didn't have Perrier, they didn't have orange juice. Of course, they drank wine in the middle of the meal. Um, then. Uh, but the Talmud does say one should not drink a cup in between cups three and four, meaning after you bench and you drink the third cup during the during the uh, during the halal halal during the right. halal you shouldn't be drinking cups because then the and, and we'll see why but that's not a place to be drinking cups and it's it's confusing because then then there's a cup at the end of halal. But that answers your question. Here, what he was trying yes. to do, here, Dustin, what he was trying to do was actually drink four in one shot. Maybe the guy has no patience to to, to stay for the whole Seder. He says, look, uh, I don't know if I can stay for the whole Seder. I, okay, I want to fulfill four cups of wine. Or, or maybe he's worried that, I don't know, he's not going to know what to do. So he says, he's he's a OCD fellow. He says, okay, four cups of wine, I'm going to drink four cups. One, two, three. <laughs> so, so the point is, he's Yotze. 
So the, 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 the Shmuel was saying that technically you don't have to drink any more cups of wine. You, that's not the way it was. That's not the way the rabbis had in mind. But Yotza, you fulfilled it. As we said before, Bidevad, you did it already. Bidevad means if it was already done, it was done and you fulfilled it. Let's just finish off Shmuel today and then we'll, we'll take uh, the, the points in the chat. Hishkemehen lebanov ulebnei beito. Okay, so here, what, what did the guy do? Uh, he did not drink. It sounds like he, he has the cup. And then he pours it for his family, for his sons and other people in the family. Hishkemehen, he pours out from them. Libanov ulebnei beito to his sons and the other people, B'nai Beta, were part of his house. His wife, his daughters, you know, good-for-nothing nephew Irving, who doesn't have any other place to live. <laughs> uh, the, the straggler off the street whose parents are abusive, who becomes part of the family. Whoever is part of that family, he gives them part of the wine to drink. So in other words, he doesn't even drink the wine, or sounds like he doesn't drink any of it. I don't know. It's, or he gives it to drink to the other people, Yotza. Now, <laughs> did he did he drink any of it? So once again, we'll just see what the we'll see the Rashbab to help us. Help me, help me, Rashbab. He didn't drink any of it. How could you fulfill? How, he didn't drink any of it. How could you fulfill the mitzvah? He gave it all to the family. Um. So Rashbam says. Um. Which means he drank some of it, but then he gives to the rest, to the others. Now, what's implied here is that not everybody had a cup of wine in front of them. And, and, and that is a question whether you need everyone to have a cup of wine. Surprise. <laughs> It's possible you don't need everyone at the Seder to have a cup of wine. So that is Shmuel's statements. Tomorrow, we're going to pick these statements apart. That's what Shmuel said, and Yehuda Ramashul brought them to the base Madrash. Now that they're on the table, it's time to stick in the steely knives. It's now time to analyze all of them. And how many were there? So the first one was... About Mezigas Kosiofa, that was one. Shatan Chai was two. Shatan Babasachas was three. Hishkmen Labano Nebeto was also four Yotza. Those were the four statements of Shmuel. We're going to analyze them uh, further uh, tomorrow. But those are the four statements, and now we're going to see what they mean. We, we already did some analysis, uh, basic analysis, in terms of what the terms, what the words meant. But the Talmud's going to have its own shot at these statements of Shmuel. And it's going to perhaps radically alter maybe some of the things we were saying, but we're going to see how that works. But that, that is the statement of Shmuel from Yudam Shmuel. Now let me just take the chats. Um, let's see. Um, Henry mentions... Um, if you drink one large cup multiple times, it doesn't designate what each cup means. Okay, I think we've, we we dealt with that issue. Um, 
Uh, Avrami points out that Yochanan and Rishlokish are the paradigm of arguing with each other, and that's true. But I think here, uh, even I, I don't even think I would just respond, Avrami, that Rashbam and Rashi uh, are, are much, or even it's even greater to see that because Lokish assumed that he had become Yochanan's equal eventually, although he needed Yochanan to teach him in the beginning. I think Rashbam remained. He always felt that that Rashi was his teacher. He never felt he was Rashi's equal. But still, when things are something you don't understand, you think are incorrect, you need to speak up. Um, Henry asks if it's Bidievet. Of course, Yotza means Bidievet. It obviously is Bidievet. And Avrami writes that this is only the Gemara's first opinion. Yes, that is also true. That we haven't yet got to uh, the Gemara's analysis, but I think it's important to know at least we've got you know again we're doing fundamentals, so we will see the Gemara. The Gemara might make things topsy turvy, but that's the excitement, you know. Just like in the soap operas, like you go, uh, it, you discover uh, three months into it that the brother who you think is the brother is really the father, uh, and he's been uh, disguising himself as the brother. That's what happens in Gemara as well. You go with one assumption, and then, uh-oh, things change. It's not what you think it is. And that's that's the excitement of learning. But you need to have some concept when you start. Be ready for changes. Changes might come ahead, but enjoy what you're learning now. Um, I have one more comment here. <laughs> All right. We'll stop over here, my friends. Uh, stop sharing the screen. Okay, guys, take care. I was a little bit groggy. I think I ended up working it out. All right. Okay. It was great. Thank you, Scott. Okay. Tell people to join. Uh, thank you, Rabbi. And tell people that all of these shiurim are available online as um, as uh, as fundamentals, and I've got I've got them numbered. So tell people. All right. Um, great. Let me, let me just stop the recording. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.